0: Hi everyone I'm Debbie Roberts from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the week in review where we talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. So I've got five topics today. First topic's about inflation hitting residential rents. The second topic is about construction costs soaring. Thirdly we've got a closer look at how interest rate banks stress test their mortgages. Like when you're applying for a mortgage and fourth I've got over half of new home loans are being issued with 30-year terms and last but not least we'll talk about changes to the healthy home standards that are coming up. Okay so first topic, um, this was published in the New Zealand Herald on the 26th of April about inflation hitting residential rents, and new new figures show how tenants are affected. So Trade Me data showed an, uh, rising inflation affecting residential rents, recording the national median rent up 7% nationally. Uh, over the last year so it's now the average uh, the median rent is now $575 a week and that was uh, the March stats. Renting's become increasingly difficult as people need to spend more and more money for their essentials including housing costs you know like with inflation. The largest growth in median weekly rent is in the Taranaki region which is up by 18% annually to a, a median of $530 a week in that area. The most expensive areas to rent, the most expensive median rents are $650 a week in North Shore in Auckland, Rodney and Papakura. of Plenty median weekly rents rose by 9% per year to $600 for the first time. I mean, this is not a good story here. They're increased right across the board. Manawatu and Whanganui median weekly rents also fell into the new bracket of $500 a week for the first time, and that marks a 14% annual rent increase. In the Waikato, we've got median weekly rents reaching $520, which is an increase of 7% annually. In Auckland, it was a little bit more subdued where rents rose 3% annually to a, a median weekly rent of $610. So there was a separate article published in January 2022, which showed that South and West Auckland were also cited as having the fastest rent increases for one bedroom properties. I'm going to come back and talk on that point a little bit uh, later on. Demand in the Auckland region was down by 13% year on year in March because partly because supply increased by 2% you know we've had a massive building boom in Auckland which has really helped to balance out that supply and demand according to trade me the most popular listing at the moment is a four bedroom house in franklin And in the first two days that it was listed, it generated 90 inquiries. Barfoot and Thompson, which manages more than 16,000 dwellings in Auckland City, said that one-bedroom rents rose 3.13% annually. And uh, they also conclude from their figures that the upward trend in rents are going to continue. So my thoughts on this as a whole um, generally unfortunately no surprises here the government was repeatedly warned by various parties including the ministry of housing and urban development renters united and even the inland revenue department to name just a few that their amendments to the Tenancy Act and tax policies would result in increasing rents. It's not as simple as saying that landlords are passing on the increased costs to the tenants because they simply can't do that unless market rent allows them to do that. So what causes the increase in prices, whether it's you know groceries or whether it's rent, is that imbalance between supply and demand. So, you know, we've got a shortage of rental properties available in New Zealand and government policy has has just been making that worse unfortunately they've literally prioritized 1st home buyers over the sector of the market that needs the most help which is the tenants this is going to continue to get worse as uh, more and more landlords will sell some of their rental properties in order to reduce the mortgage on remaining rentals to help cover the increasing cost of tax changes over the next few years and increased compliance costs. The result will be further increase in market rents due to that imbalance that I mentioned before between supply and demand. We are going to start seeing more overcrowding in rental properties which has got significant impact in lots of different areas particularly in health and increased demand for rental properties with higher numbers of bedrooms as families and friends move in together to try and reduce their living costs. All of this, obviously, at a time when the lower income families in particular are already struggling with increased cost of living caused by the highest inflation rates we've seen in decades. And I mean, at the risk of sounding blunt, since government can't provide all of the accommodation that New Zealand tenants need, they should actually be encouraging private landlords to be Purchasing and building more, not trying to make things more difficult financially for the landlords. That's just my opinion. But I mean, after all, you know, people need somewhere to live and not all tenants can afford to buy a home. So, second topic for today's podcast is construction costs are soaring. So, this was published on landlords.co.nz on the 27th of April. Um, Core Logics. This is like a tongue twister core logics Cordell construction cost and X or triple C I reveals that new record highs been reached in the first quarter of this year at 2.4% increase in the cost of construction. And that surpassed last year's record, which was 2.2%. Calvin Davidson, who's called Logic's chief property economist, he said that even with the slowdown in economic activity in recent months, that surge in dwelling consent numbers is keeping the construction industry going strong. There have been almost 49,800 consents recorded in the 12 months to February nationwide. Estimates vary and can carry uncertainty, but there's a sense now that the industry itself might only have capacity for 30 000 to 35,000 dwellings in any given year, he said, which is quite a bit lower than the current consents, and that implies that there will be a spillover into future years. This increase is adding pressure to the New Zealand construction industry, making annual costs rise to 7.3%, which is much higher than the last recorded peak of 6.9% in the fourth quarter of 2017. Uh, 49% of the total number of consents are made up of townhouses and apartments, which normally require fewer building materials than standalone houses, but the volume of the new builds is really putting a strain on what we've already got, limited supplies for construction uh, and potential labour shortages as well. And so Davidson also said that some key components are driving the increases in the prices of materials, including timber in general, structural products specifically, as well as metal prices. And changes in wholesale prices are pushing suppliers to pass on costs to consumers or to change their price lists more frequently. Wage costs are also increasing in the house building industry as firms are working to full capacity. So um, Davidson went on to say that the present state of the construction industry and high mortgage rates will continue to discourage some buyers from purchasing new builds and renovating existing properties for the time being. Uh, he said that should the number of consents dwindle, it would still be unlikely for the construction index to decrease because construction completion delays and shortages will continue throughout this year. And the number of consents in the pipeline will keep builders busy for some time yet. And some effects of home building pressures include longer completion dates and product substitution or downgrading the build specs in order to keep the prices similar to the original price that was quoted to the purchaser. Uh, Davidson said he wouldn't rule out a period of double-digit cost inflation in the next year due to the impact of the Ukraine-Russia situation on fuel and global shipping. My thoughts, I think you can expect to see more builders go into liquidation as developers fail. And as developments fail to get off the ground due to a lack of pre-sales, um, bank lending will start getting pulled from developers as well as from home buyers. Uh, and as demand for properties continue to drop due to rising mortgage interest rates and reduced ability for those buyers to obtain lending to purchase. So buying off the plan with extended completion dates that just becomes even more risky for the purchaser. So make sure that you proceed with caution. Talk to your financial or mortgage advisor and please do your homework on the developer, including getting your lawyer to check the contract before you sign on the dotted line. Uh, We've spoken to several larger cashed up developers recently who slowed down their developments about a year ago in anticipation of these smaller developers falling over at this point in the cycle and the idea behind that is so that they can scoop up those unfinished projects at a fraction of their usual price ready to be completed when market demand increases again. So if you want to learn more about um, property and property investing, then feel free to join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events. We have them available online or in person in our our office in Ellerslie in Auckland. So check us out on propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. Third topic for today is an article that was published on interest.co.nz on the 25th of April. A closer look at how the interest rates banks use to stress test mortgage applicants are due to rise and possibly be set by the Reserve Bank. So what's currently happening is that banks are increasing their test rates in accordance with rising interest rates to make sure that people that apply for mortgages today can still service their debt if the interest rates continue to increase. So um, what most of the banks at the moment are testing your ability to pay the mortgage at interest rates of six and a half to seven percent and they've been doing that for quite some time now. So if you've if you've purchased a house in the last couple of years, chances are the banks were testing your ability to pay that mortgage at a much higher interest rate than what you actually locked in. Today, they're testing between 65 and 7%, even though today's interest rates are, are a lot lower than that at the moment. So test rates are likely to increase further, along with the mortgage rates and the OCR. The Reserve Bank data shows that the buffer between the average one-year mortgage rate, which is currently 4.1%, and the average bank test rate sat at about three to four percentage points between 2017 and 2021. And similarly, the buffer between the OCR, which is currently 1.5%, and the test rate, that hovered at around six percentage points between 2018 in 2021. The Reserve Bank expects the OCR to peak at 3.4% in this tightening cycle. Many economists are predicting that the interest rate cycle will peak by 2024 if not earlier and we'll see interest rates of approximately 7 to 7.5%. But it's important to remember that these are all simply educated guesses. Nobody actually knows what or when this will happen, but it does definitely pay to plan for it. Okay, so, you know, talk to your mortgage advisor about interest rate averaging, you know, spreading your expiry dates, all that sort of stuff that I've talked about quite a lot recently in the media. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand Financial Stability Report is due out on May the 4th And that's going to be one to watch out for uh, because they're likely to outline further plans around setting a minimum test mortgage rate for banks and or establishing debt to income restrictions. There's actually already at least two banks who currently use debt to income restrictions, uh, but the introduction of a minimum test rate could happen between April and June while DTI, which is the debt-to-income restrictions, that might be imposed by the end of the year. The Reserve Bank said it's unlikely that they'll implement them both simultaneously. And in my opinion, it's unlikely that the Reserve Bank will implement DTI restrictions if the property market continues to slow down because it'll be unnecessary for them to do that. Um, They've definitely wanted to have that ability to implement the tool for a long time now, The Reserve Bank was granted the ability to impose debt servicing restrictions last year around November by the Finance Minister Grant Robertson after the surge in house prices. DTI restrictions are more likely to affect smaller property investors with high levels of debt, for example those who've purchased rental properties within the last year or so, Uh, it's more likely to affect them than first home buyers. New investors with low mortgages on their home are likely to be less affected and so are seasoned investors with low levels of debt across their portfolio. They're also less likely to be affected. But remember that if you are affected by DTI restrictions, it will impact your ability to borrow further. Okay, or potentially if you're looking at refinancing that could affect your ability to do that while those restrictions are in place Um, at this point there's no indication that they're going to be permanent restrictions Um, it is important to remember that these lending restrictions imposed by the Reserve Bank are designed to support the stability of the financial system rather than specifically targeting house prices And at the end of the day, it's not good for anyone to be in a situation where you can't afford to pay your mortgages. And that's the whole point of these restrictions. So fourth topic for this week's roundup is an article that was published in Stuff on the 23rd of April, that The headline read, over half of new home loans are being issued with 30-year loan terms. 57% of new mortgages taken out this year are on 30-year loan terms, and that's according to the credit reporting bureau called Centrix. And that makes sense, because the longer the term of the loan, the cheaper the mortgage payments Okay, because you're spreading the entire loan term. Although it is important to remember that the longer the term, the more interest you end up paying over that entire term of the mortgage. So your mortgage payments are lower, but the amount of interest that you pay in total will be higher because it's for a longer period of time that you're borrowing that money. Now, since 2017, we've seen an increase in the proportion of 30-year loan terms in response to the increase in house prices, mostly to make it more affordable. Borrowers in the main centres were more likely to apply for 30-year loan terms, Um, Most number of 30-year home loan borrowers were found in Auckland, that was 60%, and Wellington, which had 55% of home loan borrowers at 30-year terms. 30-year loan terms are also more common amongst first-home buyers, which also makes sense, because the older you get, the closer you get to retirement age – the shorter the loan terms that banks are prepared to lend to you. So of new mortgages issued to first home buyers 83% were 30-year loan terms. Now if you're struggling to pay your mortgage with rising interest rates some banks might allow you to put your mortgage onto interest only repayments or reintroduce mortgage repayment holidays or allow you to refinance back out to 30-year loan terms. However, make sure that you talk to your mortgage advisor about the pros and cons before you decide to do this. And um, mortgage stress is likely to increase as interest rates go up, but unemployment levels remain quite low. So it's unlikely that we're going to see massive numbers of homeowners that are going to be forced to sell. And that's also means that we're unlikely to see any significant price drops you know we're unlikely to see a market crash for example now forced sales and mortgagee sales that's something that nobody wants to see happen you know lenders don't want to see it happen borrowers certainly don't want to see it happen either banks tend to work with struggling homeowners as long as you talk to them early about your affordability issues don't leave it until you're already in arrears or they're much less likely to help if you're worried about your affordability get in touch with your mortgage advisor as quickly as you can so early in the piece Better to do that earlier rather than later. Okay, last but not least, we had an article that was published in landlords.co.nz on the 25th of April that was titled Changes to the Healthy Home Standards Coming. And um, this this has been in the media for a, a long time now. You know, and um, changes to the healthy home standards are due to come into force on May the 12th this year. So, you know, we've had significant changes up grading the quality of of rental properties in New Zealand which you know lots of those changes were um, were definitely in need and uh, have certainly improved the lives of tenants some of the changes were a little bit over the top and so that's where some of these amendments are coming into play to relax some of those rules for certain situations so there's loads of information online Rather than reading through all of the different things, because it's quite intense, there's a few key things which I'll point out. Uh, updates to the heating standard allows new homes that are built according to the 2008 Building Code requirements for insulation, glazing and apartments to have smaller heating devices now because they're more heat efficient um, than before. You know They were previously lumped in with properties that were built in the 20s, for example. So now it's a bit more realistic. Um, and private landlords who've built new homes according to the 2008 Building Code, they'll get an extended deadline to meet the heating standards. So their 90-day compliance period doesn't start until six months after the changes come into effect, which gives them a grace period of up to nine months. Now, properties that have got energy-efficient technologies Also have got a bit more flexibility by the government as well so if you want to find out more about the healthy home standards and the amendments to the healthy home standards just google healthy home standards and click on um, one of the links that will take you through to the Ministry of Housing and Urban Development website uh, which has got all of the information about the upcoming changes and also, the Tenancy Services website has got lots of information about the deadlines and things like that. It's really important that as a landlord you understand the potential implications for non-compliance because they can be significant. So you need to make sure that your rental properties are compliant by the deadlines, and um, and understand the requirements there. If you've got a property manager looking after your rental properties, make sure they're across. for you okay so you need to manage your manager all right so hopefully you enjoyed this week's review and I'll look forward to seeing you next week or earlier if you want to join me at one of our free events go to propertyapprentice.co.nz and I'll see you there